0: 7.13 and a half on this first day of March. Highs of 84, and now they're backing off a little bit on the weekend. Cool weather that was supposed to come in because originally the highs were supposed to be in the upper 60s. Now we're edging toward the mid-70s, so we'll have to see. Mid-80s until Thursday evening. Chance for showers then in the Friday morning. Highs Friday, 78. And then uh, about the same on Saturday and Sunday, so we'll have to see. Uh, Dr. Vinod Dasa joins us now, professor of orthopedics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. And, and I saw this story and I wanted to talk to him because, wow, uh, I, I've had two knee replacement surgeries and I couldn't imagine going through it without opioids, but yet apparently there is a new pain protocol that eliminates the need for opioids. Good morning, Doc. How are you? Good morning. A professor of orthopedics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. I should mention, um, how can this be, doctor? Having gone through two knee surgeries, and at one point, now, let me tell you, this is a true story. At one point, right. I had a problem with the pain medication because few people want to carry it anymore, and few people want to fill it. And I live alone. I had a hard time getting it filled, and it hurt so bad. I actually took every gun in the house, locked it in the car, and then threw the keys. So listen now, seriously, through the keys to an area in a garage where I knew I couldn't get to them because it hurt that bad. But you're telling me that, that somehow some for some people it's not necessary?
1: Yeah, well, Tommy, think about what you just went through, right? That is the protocol from, like, 1980 and 1990. And so we've made a lot of progress over the years of understanding and improving the surgical technique and all the different things that go before, during, and after surgery. And so, you know, as with most things, right, you would expect things to evolve and improve. Uh-huh. And so as we understand but new this was a techniques.
0: Doctor, just to be clear, this yeah. was a couple of years ago on the second knee. This is not a long time ago. Well,
1: you know, I got you. Okay. But, you know, even in the last five years, things have uh, significantly improved. Okay. So there are new medications we can use in and around surgery. There are new techniques. For example, uh, I'm wondering if anyone froze your nerves around the knee the week before surgery. I don't uh, think so. Tech- uh,
0: I think I would have known about it, so- right? They can't do it remote control without me knowing? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's no drone that flew in at no. the middle of the night and gave then, it to you. Then they did so- not do it. No, but they did, I think, have an epidural. I guess I get them confused. I don't know, the day of the surgery maybe?
1: Yeah. So spinal, you know, well, they'll do it uh, in your spine and numb you up from the hips down. But, for example, there's new technologies now where we freeze the nerves uh, before the surgery, about a week before. And we published a paper back in 2018 where we dropped narcotic use by almost 50% by preemptively uh, blocking these nerves a week before surgery. And the nerves didn't come back for about four to six weeks, Wow! which is now you're over the hump when you know you have that significant pain about a week or two after surgery.
0: So this is this knee replacement surgery, and I don't know if I should say this or not, if, if you're – If you got surgery pending, maybe you don't want to listen to this part. Um, I would not advise that people watch it because I think it set back my recovery on part on the first knee because this is like a dovetail procedure with a dove and what do you call a joint with the legs and you kind of cutting into the bone to put the new part in and all that stuff, right? Like a dovetail joint almost in carpentry would be similar.
1: You know, yeah, in in a way. Basically, what we're doing is we're Cut away the arthritis from the end of the bone what most people think is like we chop above and chop below and stick a whole new knee in yeah uh, when in fact what we're doing is we're just simply resurfacing the knee we're just trimming away the arthritis from the end of the bone and we're putting a smooth metal and plastic cap on the end of the bone um, So it's not this huge you know huge surgery that people envision uh, when they when you think of a
0: knee replacement but, but there is there, there are some drills involved in hammers and chisels oh, and yeah. so forth right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's a big deal. Are you a are you a woodworker at home? I've always wanted to ask an orthopedist this. Do you engage in any woodworking <laughs> projects or not? Yeah,
1: well, I, I do. You know, whether or not I think I'm good at it is is a totally different <laughs> discussion. Because
0: the but. tools are similar, maybe a little bit fancier in the operating room, but you're talking about a hammer and a chisel and and basically a drill. So let's get back to the That's pain right. the pain part of this. So. Is this like because of the opioid crisis, a field that has suddenly blossomed and now they're saying, well, wait a minute, instead of doing it, quote, the lazy way with pills, why don't we look at it this way and maybe with a little bit of def- different preparation here or there, we can avoid the need for all of that?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple of dynamics happening right now. One is, to your point, you know, the opioid epidemic and, and how do we improve patient care in general and have these enhanced recovery protocols. The second is a transition to outpatient surgery, right? Traditionally, when I was a resident and medical student, I mean, we had patients in the hospital for a week after knee replacement, and now patients are going home the same day. Mm -hmm. So how do we deliver that level of care now that we're getting them home the same day, uh, improve their pain once they do get home? Because you're not in the hospital able to ask for pain medication anymore from the nurse. And so we were developing and deploying these kind of really modern, novel strategies to ensure if we're going to send you home the same day, you need to be comfortable at home, we need to have enhanced recovery so you can get back to work as quickly as possible or get back to your life that, that, you're, that you want as quickly as possible. So your experience with taking, you know, a gazillion pain medications and narcotics and all that is transitioning and shifting to these more modern strategies.
0: Somebody texted in and said, I'm not sure what the doctor is going to discuss, but could you ask him about the knowledge of the research around the neuroscience of pain, in other words, the role the brain plays in pain perception and processing. Seems to be some fascinating stuff. I've taken a couple of courses on this subject. Amazing. Thanks, as always. Enjoy your show so much. Well, thank you for saying that. Doctor, maybe you can drill down on, pardon the pun, maybe we can go a little bit deeper <laughs> into that when we come back, all right, and talk about, because it is yeah. all about the brain and the way p- the brain perceives pain. And, and sometimes maybe if you expect it to hurt, maybe it will. I don't know. Somebody else texted in and said, I've read that aspirin has more pain-killing efficacy than morphine. Aspirin and an occasional leave A leave is all I take for arthritis in my hands after 45 years of skilled trade. So we'll talk about all of that. Somebody else texted about the pain medicine before PT, and that's what I did. I didn't take a lot of pain medicine. I saved it for the physical therapy so that I was really able to push myself during physical therapy, and we'll talk about that with Dr. Dasa when we come back as well. And I think that's why the second knee replacement worked out a lot better than the first because I was able to push myself uh, in PT more five zero four two six zero one eight seven. If you got any questions about what we're talking about, it's amazing if you think about it that you could actually have knee replacement surgery without opioids. We'll continue the conversation seven twenty. Traffic now. WWL. Seven twenty-four and a half. and a half Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to Dr. Vinod Dasa, professor of orthopedics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, about a new treatment plan that eliminates the needs for opioids after complete uh, or total knee replacement. That's not the name for the the procedure, but I've had two knee replacements, and when I saw this, I I couldn't believe that this was true, and apparently it is. Doctor, let's talk about that text we got about... um, the knowledge, uh, research around neuroscience, the uh, role the brain plays in pain perception and processing. Is that a, 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 a field that is rapidly growing and expanding, or do we know all we know? Yeah.
1: No, no, we've got a lot to learn. So I think what your uh, listener is alluding to is uh, this concept called neuroplasticity. Okay. And so what we're starting to realize is if we can block the pain for even a limited period of time and kind of give the brain the ability to rest and kind of not see that noise, it has the ability to rewire itself, so when that uh, stimulus comes back, it's not nearly as uh, painful or interpreted as being as painful. So, for example, we're, we're starting this new procedure called peripheral nerve stimulation where, let's say you've got a painful knee replacement. We put these wires down against the nerves, mm. and you wear this <coughs> patch, sends a signal down to the wire to turn the nerves off. You wear it maybe twice a day for 20 minutes, and then all of a sudden, let's say after a month, you, you forget to wear it. And your pain still hasn't come back. But nothing changed, right? We didn't do a new surgery. We didn't do much of anything other than shut, shut that signal down, let the brain kind of recover a little bit. And what you're finding then is they have to wear those patches less and less because the pain improves. So we've got a lot to learn in terms of how the brain works and how if we shut pain down for a period of time, to give the brain some rest so it can adjust? Um, and so that research is actively growing. Um, and, but we're starting to see kind of little snippets of it of what the potential could be down the road.
0: I know I'm going to ask you to condense, like, you know, five years of medical school in a four minutes here, but <laughs> what is pain exactly? What, what is it that's going on within our body, and why do some people react to it differently than others?
1: Yeah, so it's complicated, uh, but ultimately what it is is you've got nerve endings in and around the area of trauma or injury, and you've got difficult, different chemicals and different uh, uh, things that uh, stimulate the end of that nerve to send a signal to your brain saying you've got pain. And so there are different ways you can address that, either at the zone of injury, uh, where the fracture was or where the surgery was or what have you, all the way up to the brain level, uh, you can, we can try to shut down that signal. And then everything in between by doing nerve blocks and things like that. Uh, and so how do we disrupt that signal, that wiring? You don't want to cut the wire, obviously, if you don't have to. So are there things you can do to the wire on the w- on its way to the brain or even once it hits the brain to get the brain to realize there is no pain uh, uh, in a way? Um, and so that's essentially how pain works, uh, all the way from where the issue is, all the way up to how you interpret it in the brain.
0: So the opioid effect would be at the brain level, right? or not? Correct. Yeah, it correct. Would be. Okay. Right. Um. Somebody talked about aspirin being more effective or uh, more efficacious as it than morphine for them. I I don't know. Is that an individual thing or it's a completely different approach? How does aspirin work? If
1: yeah, I'm, not, I'm not, It depends, like you said, on the individual patient. Aspirin acts as an anti-inflammatory, so it addresses uh, inflammation, which is kind of upstream to the pain. You get inflammation, which then releases all these chemicals, which then stimulates the nerves, which then causes the pain. So aspirin works kind of more upstream, and that's why we like it as a first-line treatment because it it, it helps address the issue as opposed to uh, the symptom. Um, and so that may be why it worked better for them because you're addressing the problem way way upstream as opposed to at the end of the at the end of the cascade there.
0: Somebody texted in since you're talking about nerves, about pinched nerves and tingling and numbness and this and that and the other thing. It has any research been done into that? Are we a lot better at treating that than we have been? And we, Like I'm a doctor, but are you any better at treating that than uh, other physicians have been in the past? Are we making a lot of inroads as far as that goes?
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, in terms of the spine, uh, spine arena, you know, there's a lot, a lot of advances going on in spine. So the thing with pinched nerves and, and spine is understanding what the cause is, right? And so there are new techniques where actually now they can go remove the disc with just these tubes and microscopes as opposed to Uh, Larger incisions that we used in the past There are new strategies uh, for injection There's some new technologies being developed Where could we freeze some of the nerves around the spine To help block some of that pain Instead of burning the nerves And causing permanent damage So yeah, there is a lot of innovation And a lot of research going on So over the next 5-10 years I think we're going to see a lot of advancements in this space
0: Gotta ask, when you're operating Do you put music on in the background And if so, what are you listening to? (laughs)
1: That's funny. It depends on the residents. So I let my residents and, and the staff pick uh, the music. Uh, I'll tell you, this past week, we were, I think, listening almost to elevator music. I don't know. One of my uh, OR staff wanted to hear that, so I said, fine. Uh, if we've got other staff and they want to hear rock music, we'll put that on. I'm flexible. <laughs> I just go with the flow. Is
0: there a uh, absolute no, Doc, that you'll say, no, I uh, can't do that?
1: Uh, yeah, the elevator music was tough, so yeah. I don't think we're going back to that
0: channel. <laughs> yeah, we don't want the doc falling asleep while he's doing the surgery. Hey, thank <laughs> you. A pleasure talking to you. All right.
1: All right, take care. Thank Good you, morning.
0: Dr. Vinod Dasa, professor of orthopedics at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. Interesting when you go to what pain is exactly, and then go from treating it, go from there rather than treating it. When we come back. We talk to Scott Scott Bickford. He's an attorney who's litigated election contest. We'll talk about the latest. On the recall campaign lawsuit, what went on in court yesterday back in a flash here on WW All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?